What's up, boxing fans? This is Sides of Boxing with your host, JJ Sermon. In this podcast, JJ gives an in-depth analysis of nearly every fight, from undercards to main events. Now, let's get into the ring. What's up, what's up, what's up? So in this episode of Sides of Boxing, I'm going to get into all the important fights that happened this past weekend. And there were a lot. When I mean a lot, there were over at least six or seven significant fights. But I'm just going to do some notable mentions and then only talk about a few of them in detail. And this is another reason why I'm posting this episode one day late is because there were so many fights I had to catch up on. So let's just get straight into it. All right, so for my notable mentions, I'm going to get into some important fights that happened this past weekend. I'm going to save the best fights for last, but these are some of the great fights that happened. So the first one I'm going to talk about is the Chris Eubank fight versus Matt Korboff. This was in the middleweight division which is the 160-pound division. Chris Eubanks Jr. came into that fight with 28 wins, two losses with 21 KOs. And Matt Korobov came into the fight with 28 wins as well, two losses as well, but one draw with 14 KOs. And the winner of this happened to be Chris Eubanks Jr. He won, so he ended up now being 29-2. and two. And the, the fight ended with Matt Korobov, like, dislocating his shoulder. So he's he was out in the second round, and that's pretty much it. It was unfortunate because this was a very important fight for both of them. And Matt Korobov just been having bad luck and for his last uh, few fights. But for Chris Eubank, it is a win for him. So now he gets to improve and potentially get a fight with Jamal Charlo in his next fight. Another fight that I want to talk about is with Emmanuel Neverete. Emmanuel Neverete came into this fight with 29 wins, one loss, and 25 KOs, and he was currently holding the WBO Bantamweight title, and he was facing Francisco uh, Horta, which was, his record was 20 wins, three losses, and one draw with 10 KOs, and this is for the Super, super Bantamweight division, and this was a 12-round fight, and Emmanuel Neverete Yet again, got another win, a TKO win in the fourth round. And now he improves his record to 30 wins and then one loss with 26 KOs. So be on the lookout for him because he's going to continue to do great things. Another fight that I want to talk about was Philip Herkovich. Philip Herkovich came into this fight with nine wins, zero losses, and seven KOs. So he was undefeated in this campaign versus Eric Molina, who came into this fight with 27 wins, five losses, and 19 KOs. And this was for the heavyweight division. It was a 12-round fight. And Philip Herkovich won with a KO, and he improves his record to 10 wins and eight KOs. And now he's potentially going to get some bigger and better fights in the future. So that's all I got to say about him. Another person is Dillian White. He came back from his temporary, like, I guess, suspension, but it got uplifted because they ended up saying that he was clear from all the banned substances that they reportedly said he had. So, so yeah, so he was clear from his his banned substances that they say he supposedly had, but he does he don't have it. They, they ruled it out. So he's back normal. He got... Uh, back to his his claim as the number one for the WBC in the heavyweight division and he fought a guy in 
Maurice's watch. And this guy came into the fight with 35 wins, 5 losses, and 19 KOs. And Dillian White came into the fight with 26 wins, 1 loss, and 18 KOs. And this is for the heavyweight division, the 10-round fight. Dillian White didn't look his best, but Dillian White got the job done, and that's all that matters. And now he improves his record to 27 wins and 1 loss, and he's definitely going to get him a big fight in the future. It may not be with Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, or Tyson Fury in 2020, but he's going to get a great fight with the top 10 fighter. Best believe that. So I, I will say that about him. And one more mention I want to talk about is the Alexander Povekian fight versus Michael Hunter. This fight was really entertaining. And Alexander Povekian came into this fight with 35 wins, 2 losses, and 24 KOs. And Michael Hunter came into this fight with 18 wins, 1 loss, and 12 KOs. And this was for the heavyweight division as well. It's a 12-rounder. And Michael Hunter did a very good job coming out in the first round trying to get Alexander Povelkin out of there. But he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. And Povelkin ended up weathering that storm. And they ended up going back and forth, uh, trading rounds, going uh, one way. It's pretty much momentum rounds. And then eventually when the scorecards came, it ended up being a draw. So they both just pretty much are just probably going to have to rematch or fight different competitors. But it was entertaining nonetheless. I think Michael Hunter gassed out. He did a lot in the beginning. And it kind of was just uh, feeling the effects of him doing too much in the beginning and towards the later rounds. And Povetkin started to pick up in the later rounds. But Nonetheless, they both did a great job, and I look forward to the rematch. If they don't do it, then um, I can I can definitely see them fighting another top 10 competitor or a top 20 fighter in the heavyweight division. And now let's get into the main fights. The first one I want to talk about is the Jamel Charlo fight versus Dennis Hogan. Jamal Charlo came into this fight with 29 wins, 21 KOs versus Dennis Hogan, who came into this fight with 28 wins, two losses, and one draw with seven KOs. And this is for the middleweight division, and it's also for Jamal Charlo WBC middleweight title. It was a 12-round fight, and it definitely lived up to what I thought was going to happen, what I predicted, which was for... Dennis Hogan to lose by pretty much a KO or a TKO. I mean, it was simple as that. I thought it wasn't going to last. Definitely 12 rounds. Dennis Hogan was very good against Hami Magia. However, this is a different competitor. He is moving up in weight now because he fought Hami Magia at 154. This is 160, so he's fighting a bigger guy. And he was already small. So this is definitely a fight that I expected Dennis Hogan to lose. And that's what happened. He's a great competitor, though. No, no disrespect. I just think that there's levels to this, and I think Jam- Jamal Charlo definitely uh, is, is on a level that's higher than what Dennis Hogan is. And Dennis Hogan is a very, like, awkward fighter. Like, you, it's, it's, it's not a lot of fighters that fight like him. However, Jamal Charlo has been with a lot of people, been in the ring with a lot of people sparring and and professional, and he, he, he knows how to adjust in a fight, and he proved it in this fight. He won with a TKO in the seventh round. He got a couple of knockdowns, and that was the end of the fight. And now Jamal Charlo moves on 
to hopefully get a fight with Demetrius Andre or Chris Eubank Jr. I'm 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 for the Chris Eubank Jr. fight. I'm not going to say I don't want to see it because I kind of do, and but I really want to see the Demetrius uh, Andre fight. But he's fighting in January, January 30th. I think they just confirmed it with him and Tevin Farmer is on the undercard, like undercard. So this will be very very important. So I just think that yeah, I just feel like. Jamal Charlo did what he needed to do. I hope he get a better competitor because Brandon Adams and Dennis Hogan are not the fighters that we want to see him fight. We want him to fight the top guys at this point, and hopefully that can happen in 2020. Now, let's get into the biggest fight of the year, which was the Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz Jr. 2. Andy Ruiz Jr. came into this fight with 33 wins, one loss, and 22 KOs versus Anthony Joshua, who came into this fight with 22 wins, one loss, and 21 KOs. And this was a rematch because they fought earlier this year, and Anthony Joshua was upset by Andy Ruiz Jr. in Madison Square Garden, and he lost his WBA Super, IBF, WBO, and IBO heavyweight title. So he lost a lot. And this was a rematch immediately after in which they were going to fight each other. But this time it was going to be in Saudi Arabia. And this was a big fight. And before I get into the, the how the fight went, I want to talk about something that was very important going into this fight. On the day of the weigh-in, which was the day before of the fight that happened December 7th, Andy Ruiz weighed in at, I want to say it was like 283, 283 pounds. When his when he fought the first time, he was definitely in the two sixties. Now he's at two eighty three, much bigger than he than he ever was. And Anthony Joshua came in lighter than he was in his previous fight. So I don't know what game plan that was. I felt like it was a telltale that Andy Ruiz was pretty much going to lose the fight because you can't move that much with that much weight on you on top of the weight that you're going to gain after the weigh in. So it was. It was going to be bad. And here's the thing about Andy Ruiz. He's an amazing fighter. He didn't get to that point uh, just by sure luck. He literally knows how to fight. And what I just believe that happened was for him to lose this rematch is because he wasn't as focused as he was going into that first fight. In that first fight, he had so much to gain. He had so much to fight for. In this second fight, he had all the money. He had all the fame that he uh, could ever dream of, you know? millions of dollars and you got multiple belts and you're the the one of the big faces of boxing had a huge fan base now everyone was pulling for him people thought that this was the guy who was pretty much going to be on the verge of being an undisputed champion and that was very well that was very deserved for people to say that because he beat Anthony Joshua in the way that he did it was it was definitely a fight in which Andy Ruiz clearly won. And so going into the second fight, fighting in a different country, he was just, everybody was making it in the comments like he was partying a little bit too much, spending a lot of stuff, spending a lot of money on stuff. It was just seeming like Andy Ruiz wasn't as focused. And when he came in overweight, that was it. That was the biggest indicator that he was not going to win this fight. And just to come to show you, man, that fame, everybody can't handle fame the same way. 
And some people are really built for it and made for it. And some people aren't. And interviews show that he really wasn't that built and made for the fame life. Because it got the best of him. And he didn't perform at his best. That's what I wanted to say about Andy Ruiz because he's such a great fighter, but the fame overpowered his skills, and that's what made him lose so convincingly in the second fight. And Anthony Joshua lost weight, so that means he was going to be able to move and be more slick in the ring. And when this fight happened, that's exactly what happened. Anthony Joshua came out with some great movement, great lateral skills, staying off the ring, and just jabbing, jabbing, or staying off the ropes, my bad. He was jabbing and jabbing, and that's all he was. He was making sure he was the ring generalship. He was making Andy Ruiz move around, but Andy Ruiz can never sit still. And you could tell as rounds was going on, Andy Ruiz was getting to the point where he was getting frustrated, and he was getting very upset because he couldn't get to Anthony Joshua like he thought he would, and his conditioning was poor, so it showed all over the ring, the whole 12 rounds. And he had, like, some small moments in which he landed some shots against Anthony Joshua, but nothing that was really stunned him or made him feel like it was a panic mode. So that's how the fight went. It was very, very, very one-sided. And Anthony Joshua won at least 10 out of the 12 rounds. And that, and, and he won at least 10 of the 12 rounds. This was a complete domination and Anthony Joshua won by the unanimous decision and got his WBA Super IBF WBO and IBO heavyweight titles back. People were saying that he should probably that he should probably just move on. They were talking in the post fight that he should do a trilogy. I definitely don't think he should. I think he just wasn't focused when he first fought Andy Ruiz because he really wanted to fight Jarrell Miller, a guy who's talking so much junk before the fight, and for that fight not to happen, it really just more than likely sidetracked Andy Ruiz. I mean, sidetracked Anthony Joshua. But now he really got serious and he really proved that he's the better fighter. And that's and that's why I just feel like this shouldn't be a trilogy. Just move on. You got your do like Lennox Lewis. Just get your win. If you lost, just avenge your loss and move on to bigger and better fights. Because in 2020, I mean, you already got a mandatory pool left. So he Anthony Joshua should fight him, and then just prepare for. The winner of Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, even though they may have a trilogy themselves, that all depends on how that second fight goes. I just believe that that second fight is going to be very telling as to who's a better fighter, and I'm I'm I just feel like the the winner of that is going to definitely should move on, and let's get an undisputed champion. And this concludes this episode of Salsa Boxing. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening all the way to the end. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a positive rating. And tell a friend to tell a friend if they're boxing fans. Because I'm going to give out great content each and every week. The next fight that's coming up is with Virgil Ortiz Jr., Terrence Crawford, Teofimo Lopez versus uh, Richard Comey. So be on the lookout for that because I'm going to definitely give you all great information about how those fights went down. So God bless.